Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the Cultural Studies Podcast. It's Toby Miller here. I'm on the campus of the Chinese University of Hong Kong with my, I guess, old friend now, Jack <laughs> Chu. How long do you think we've known one another, Jack? Is it almost 10 years? Probably uh, longer than that. I think the first time I met you was in the Southern California Digital Culture Group. Yes. And that was, I think, at least 2003 or 2004 yeah. when we met in person, when we had pizza together yeah, on yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew it was in L.A. somewhere, but I couldn't remember <laughs> what it was. It's in the Edinburgh House uh, in, on Adams. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> and you've come a long way since then, so have I, in the sense that we're both in Hong Kong. <laughs> uh, this is an extraordinary moment in Hong Kong history. Uh, there have been a lot of them, obviously, and you've been a participant in that. So I, I wonder if you might begin by telling us a little bit about the current the conjuncture here and your part in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we are in the uh, short aftermath of what became known as the Umbrella Movement, mm. uh, which uh, lasted for 79 days uh, from September to November 2014. And I was supposed to be on sabbatical leave okay, <laughs> last semester, but because of the uh, Umbrella Movement, uh, I, I managed to sneak back to Hong Kong okay, uh, about half the time. And now uh, this is uh, uh, three months after uh, the Umbrella Movement, which uh, 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 you know, uh, audiences of this uh, program should be known as a major uh, pro-democracy mm-hmm. and uh, student movement. Yeah. But uh, uh, right now it became uh, uh, that there's a major regression. What I would call the program has uh, the the, the uh, demonstration. The the energy has been rechanneled by, uh, number one, the uh, chief executive, which is basically the local okay, government okay, uh, leader of Hong Kong, as well as some of the ultra-right groups who claim they want Hong Kong independence, and then they were playing very nasty uh, identity politics against the mainlanders. Okay, so every weekend, so, uh, there has been three weekends now. And, uh, Including last Sunday, this Sunday. Exactly. Right? So the, the last Sunday, the day before yesterday, was the major, uh, you know, probably the most bloody, uh, you know, uh, mm. uh, you know, confrontation between the, the ultra-right Hong Kong independence, you know, group and the local uh, residents mm. and, uh, and the police. But then uh, I, I see this as a dangerous trend as much as in parts of uh, Europe or uh, the Americas as the, 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 uh, uh, the most radical, especially on the, on the right you know, side, mm-hmm. you know, to catch uh, both media attention mm-hmm. and uh, 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 trying to narrow down the imagination for a more cosmopolitan, more equal and democratic uh, world. So, uh, mm-hmm. so that's the conjuncture that we what are we're seeing. In now. And it's interesting because I grew up in an era when the politics of spectacle had been taken over by the left, even though obviously it had been very right-wing in many ways, uh, for example, under Nazism and fascism. But it had been taken over by the left in the 60s and 70s, and still the left is associated with the politics of spectacle, with beautiful images, with creativity, with populism, with good humor, right? But now the right has worked out how to do this too. Uh, yes, I think the right definitely has learned uh, big time, you know, from the left historically. But as we, what we have been seeing in Hong Kong, even during the movement, 
Okay, even though the uh, the majority, okay, uh, that the, the images about occupied Hong Kong, you know, downtown uh, business uh, district has been, uh, I would say, eighty percent. Okay, uh, there, there are three main uh, uh, occupied sites, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, two of them were full of, uh, you know, on, the, on the, the what you would call leftist, you know, spectacles. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, one of them probably had uh, less or more more middle of the road, but uh, uh, by and large, the, the the right definitely count for a very small uh, you know uh, part of mm. the uh, umbrella movement as a whole. Mm. However, uh, the recent uh, you know uh, uh, regression that I would call actually was started by the the uh, uh, C Y Lang, Hong Kong's uh, chief executive. Who you know in his most important policy address of the year mm. carried with him okay and not not just in the policy address itself but also in the in the next few days when he went to TV stations or you know uh, accept media interviews he carried with him one of the most uh, you know radical books okay about Hong Kong independence with him can you imagine that so he 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 literally it's like Chavez holding the Noam Chomsky book exactly uh, but 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 also he he was trying to divert public attention from the more serious okay leftist charges against him you know with regard to income inequality mm. with regard to the uh, the uh, the uh, the kind of you know non democratic capitalism that mm. we see in Hong Kong so mm. so mm. but then he he uh, deliberately so so it's not just I, I would I would not say okay it's just because of the uh, the, the the right okay has been successful single-handedly mm. to uh, maneuver you know public attention actually I think they were uh, used uh, you know uh, to a, to a great extent by the political establishment to to downgrade okay the serious uh, you know, uh, you know, charges against inequality, mm. against you know authoritarianism, into this nasty realm of identity politics. And in terms of the core people involved in the umbrella movement, if we can use that concept, by which I mean both the vanguardists—they're always vanguardists of some kind, or organizers or whatever—but also the people who come along sometimes people who come along to study, or people who come along to teach. I know you taught, I know your colleagues taught. What would be their composition, uh, demographically, would you say? We're talking about, at times, tens of thousands of people. Right. Uh, so it's hard to know. Is, uh, the, uh, Hong Kong social movement has been known as uh, postmodern, post-structuralist, okay, overall, okay, compared to other parts of, mm -hmm. uh, of Asia. Okay? Mm -hmm. And maybe it has to do with the uh, the post-industrial, you know, uh, economy in Hong Kong as well. And uh, so, but but then in this this movement started uh, almost two years ago mm. by some university professors, okay, in my on this campus, Chinese University, in uh, Hong Kong U as well, and and another religious okay leader, uh, you know. Uh, but then the uh, uh, but then they were they were regarded when when the movement really started. Okay, mm. September twenty eighth was the first day of Occupy. Mm. Okay. It was uh, mostly uh, you know led by uh, st student leaders, mm -hmm. and by student I do not mean PhD or math, MA students. They were undergraduates. They were high school kids. Right. Okay, so the the, the two forefront uh, student organizations. One was a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, multi-university, okay, the, the federation yeah. of yeah. university unions. 
the other was uh, called scholarism. Okay, when scholarism. Scholarism. When when they started. <laughs> it's like feminism. Yes, but but it's, uh, it's uh, actually when they started, the the leader was only less than uh, sixteen years old. Okay. And uh, uh, this was two uh, two years ago. There was uh, uh, the the political establishment in Hong Kong tried to push forward a patriotic, you know, curriculum, to 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 teach and force youngsters in this city to love China. Okay, and then they started a, a movement, uh, you know, uh, scholarism or uh, you know the high school kids. Mm -hmm. And one of our uh, colleagues in this uh, school, I think his office is just a few doors from here on, on this floor. Mm -hmm. Yua Chen was the leader of the parents, uh, you know, group. And then collectively they defeated the the political establishment. Wonderful. That's that's a, a patriotic, uh, you know, uh, curricula. Uh, but uh, this, so this time, the, the, on the forefront, okay, this uh, high school and uh, undergraduate student organizations were by far the, the most recognized leaders. Mm -hmm. okay? mm -hmm. And then the people who started uh, the Occupy movement, the people who were regarded as too academic, okay, uh, the, they were sociologists, political scientists, and uh, they, uh, e even though they started earlier, but uh, they, they call the movement, the, the full name is called uh, Occupy Central with Love and Peace. Okay, so it's, it's very much about nonviolence, you know, civil disobedience, mm -hmm. and uh, democratic deliberation. Okay? Mm -hmm. So in a way, they, they did not have enough okay, uh, um, confrontational uh, skills, okay? and I would say. Okay, when the young people came in, they acted much more quickly, uh, facilitated by... Uh, not only their youthful energy, but mm -hmm. also their uh, their um, skills with uh, especially uh, smartphones. Okay. So organizationally, they didn't have a bureaucracy, obviously, but they, they must have had a decision-making process of some kind. They deliberately tried to uh, do away with uh, traditional top-down democracy. Mm -hmm. Okay. In, in part because the, uh, what the Occupy movement started is it was as much a planned event as a serendipitous mm -hmm. okay, a reaction against the police crackdown. Mm -hmm. So when mm -hmm. uh, one of the main reasons that uh, the Occupy uh, started okay, was because the, the student leaders and the, the, uh, even the pan-democratic political party leaders, yeah. most of them were arrested. Okay, where or, or they were encircled in the middle of a you know a protest ground, and uh, the, the students uh, like, like I was talking about the, the student union, you know, presidents, vice presidents, their spokesperson, everyone was you know encircled. So the the the, the movement was rendered you know uh, uh, you know topless you know mm -hmm. the, or you know uh, headless. Okay, it was <laughs> because the, that that was the police stra strategy to to cut out the, the heads and their communication channels. But precisely because of this, you know, uh, police uh, strategy to crack down, to take out the leadership, and it became such a amorphous, okay, uh, mm. uh, you know, a large network. And so it became a packet system, its uh, very own packet system. Yes, yes, uh, but then there are some types, going back to your question, there are mm. students, there are professors, there are religious groups, mm. okay, uh, different kinds of Christianity, you know, uh, you know groups, and uh, uh, and also the the leftist group, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, because uh, a year ago, uh, uh, you know, in in spring two thousand thirteen, mm -hmm. Hong Kong had the longest, uh, you know, dock worker 
uh, strike. Okay, and that uh, so um, lots of I saw lots of the leaders from the dock worker strike in the occupied sites too, and uh, so so the the pan uh, leftists, you know, uh, political groups, uh, you know, uh, civic groups. Okay, and uh, they, they they were all there. Okay, but then on uh, some somewhere in the middle. Okay, uh, uh, the um, in in Hong Kong the. People on the on the right would call the leftist group. They have a nickname called. They call them leftards. Okay, like they're retarded. Okay, left. Oh, so, really? I thought you yes. said left hearts. Left hearts. Like left hearts, like retarded. retarded. Yeah. So oh, so geez. so in so in the uh, in the center of the the biggest tent. Okay. So because this is such an amorphous okay uh, organization, each different group have their own tents. The biggest tent of the ultra right group, who is now, you know, leading this, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, identity politics. Okay, the, mm -hmm. the, the nasty devolution that I would call. They were in Mongkok. Okay, and then some, uh, some, sometime in the middle of the movements, uh, they started to put up posters around Mongkok, saying, uh, "Beware of left hearts." And we don't want uh, these uh, left hearts to take over. So they were trying to, and they were, by that they include lots of the student leaders. Okay, in 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 there. Wow. And they are in Occupy themselves. The right is yes. in Occupy yes. as such. Yes. But then they, they started some infights, and towards the end, okay, uh, in the uh, over the seventy nine days Occupy, uh, only there was only one instance when uh, the members from the movement uh, smashed the windows, caused any, you know, uh, uh, property damage, okay? Yeah. And uh, they smashed uh, one window, okay, in the uh, Legislative Council, okay, the, the legislature of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then even during that process, you know, a leader from Hong Kong's Labour Party, okay, is uh, it's a very small, it's a new, you know, leftist political party. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the leader actually came physically to, you know, prevent them from smashing that window, but then they still went ahead. And then uh, uh, that very night, almost all the student, uh, almost all the uh, Occupy movement leaders, and uh, the students, the professors, the religious groups, all came out and denounced. Okay, these yeah. people. Right. And but then uh, also the the last week, I was in Mongkok. Well, Mongkok was also the most working class. So I think there's a a, a, a question. Not only about the right, uh, you know, spectacle, mm -hmm. okay, but also about the class uh, differentiation within the movements. Actually, the mm -hmm. the rightist group, you know, in Hong Kong are uh, even more successful in terms of communicating with the working class, uh, the, with with the with the poor, you know, people in in Hong Kong. And then uh, from there, they started to, they actually, they, they, they physically started to attack, besides attacking the legislature, which could symbolize the political establishment, they also attacked other, you know, there's an, another tent called People Power. It's a more uh, right, you know, uh, left, uh, left, left wing, you know, a political party. And I, I literally, I saw them trying to push down, okay, the, the tent of, uh, of the uh, People Power, okay, uh, political party. Yeah, so the, uh, um, there were also uh, uh, incidents, uh, a main uh, uh, internet radio pro uh, 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 broadcaster, Xiu uh, Youyun is his name, and uh, is a very uh, left-wing, you know, online, you know, public opinion leader. And on the, in, in the same evening, when uh, the, the rightist group is called Passion Times, okay, and the, the, the uh, or, or uh, uh, 
Passion, Passion Citizens is their organization mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. Passion Times is their Facebook okay accounts. Okay, they use the internet very successfully. I have to, and their their way to communicate messages. Okay, online, uh, you know, uh, using uh, you know confrontational, but also sometimes humorous, mm -hmm. but very stereotyped way to portray. Okay, the police, mainlanders. Okay, or the the uh, the people on the left. And uh, uh, and then in the same evening when they attack the uh, people power the the, right, the the left wing okay the radio host was also uh, some someone uh, attacked him you know uh, when he left his uh, radio talk show but then uh, uh, Xiu Yun the guy who was attacked uh, the left wing uh, you know radio host was very gracious he he said he doesn't believe uh, that is is the uh, passion times people who attack him physically, although they have been exchanging verbal fire all the time. But I, th uh, I, I think he was trying to uh, maintain solidarity within the movement. But definitely towards the end, okay, this uh, passion times, this uh, right wing group came out as the uh, most visible destructive force for the movement overall, which was probably part of the reason why C.Y. Leung, the chief executive of Hong Kong, Pick them and try to make them, you know, almost like the mainstream. But they are they are very far from the mainstream of the movement itself. And they would also be very opposed to him, wouldn't they? I mean, yes, because he represents the mainland. Yes, uh, but then I think this is a very weird way. It's like, uh, you know, th th this is a political game. You know, uh, obviously, you know, uh, 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 Xi need Beijing's support, mm -hmm. okay, to continue his rule. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, and also he probably is too fearful of mm -hmm. the the mobilization power. Yeah. Okay, of the the, the 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 movement overall. Therefore, he wants to pick the easiest one to you know to justify his uh, you know w which is also to play with fire. Okay, to play with this identity politics. Okay, and uh, mm -hmm. also the most stupid one. Okay, and so so that's why he. For for an entire week, okay, after his policy address, he basically became the okay uh, person who spread the message about the the Hong Kong independence, you know, uh, you know uh, group. Very interesting. And how would you theorize this tension? Uh, I'm thinking. I can't help but think of Dorno and Horkheimer and Frankfurt School critiques of spectacle that it becomes industrialized that. Uh, it loses its avant-garde capacity to generate a special kind of self-critical consciousness and so on. And that the masses in these forms end up being, in a sense, industrialized, proletarianized, and lacking, actually, political sensibility. I mean, that may be taking it a bit far, but that is the kind of critique. Versus, you know, the way one would read Benjamin or Gramsci for example. Um, do those sorts of debates go on in your mind, or do you see it quite differently? Uh, I think it's probably too early okay, to, to decide is the Ardono way or the Gramscian way. And, as, uh, as, as Joe and Lai said about the French <laughs> Revolution. <laughs> right, and uh, uh, it, it could be. Okay. I, I think yeah. uh, the, the, the underlying you know, uh, uh, you know uh, struggles. Okay, if I may use that word, you know, is in in the sphere of public you know, opinion. I think it's quite similar. Okay, yeah. in, yeah. in 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 a fundamental way, 
But then there are new, uh, there, there are lots of new things, okay? Uh, you know, I think the, uh, one of the main uh, differences, uh, okay, I, I have to, I'm, I'm still working this out, is uh, to what extent is Hong Kong, okay, everyone in the movement is saying, okay, Hong Kong, you know, all the main decisions are made in Beijing, okay, mm -hmm. not in Hong Kong, okay? Mm -hmm. So I think, so that's, there's a difference from, you know, um, Mussolini, you know, or, you know, Hitler, you know, that's a, and, and, and that, uh, you know, process is more opaque, okay, so as, uh, the, there are lots of conspiracy theory, okay, uh, nobody, nobody can prove, okay, and uh, uh, my, uh, you know, observation is that there are definitely some uh, autonomy, okay, in the way that the, the political establishment in Hong Kong, okay, they can enjoy from Beijing's decision making, okay. But I, I, I don't know exactly, okay, where do they, do they draw the line. So this is one, uh, uh, you know, so, so Hong Kong is, uh, in this case, uh, interesting, okay, mm -hmm. I, I would say a, a border case, okay, no matter we're talking about Gramsci or, or uh, uh, you know, uh, Ardono, they were not working with this kind of border cases. So they were working with, uh, Political and media cultural system that had, that is you know supposedly independent, right and self-sufficient supposedly okay, mm -hmm. and uh, so but then this uh, board, border cases okay and uh, I I some there are still debates about whether Hong Kong is still a colonial okay system, uh, whether, whether and uh, that's what the independence you know group or are saying Beijing saying, is the new colonizer, the new colonizer. Okay. well if you go back 50 years or more there were mass protests against the British in Hong yes Kong, in and it was a very left uh, yeah it, it was because the Cultural Revolution okay and uh, that one was the most uh, even more violent okay the, you know, in, in, in Hong Kong but then uh, uh, again I think even that okay we, we need to theorize okay this kind of border cases more seriously. In the past, we, you know, the uh, theories of uh, media culture and political change have been mostly devoted to relatively. Okay, I think that this is, a, you know, a preoccupation of first from political science, and then it uh, spill over. Is we tend to focus on relatively independent, let's say, nation states. Yeah. Okay, Hong Kong is not a nation state. Okay, yeah. in 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 the in the state. But increasingly, I think this is uh, uh, a situation that has been characterized in larger parts of the uh, of the global south. It's not yeah. the it's not the old way of colonial rule. Okay, mm -hmm. but in today's uh, globalization, okay, the uh, uh, you know especially with the rise of China, okay, I think uh, the kind of crony you know, uh, developments of the U.S., of, uh, you know, European powers uh, has, has dotted, uh, you know, history. And, uh, and, uh, uh, but today's, uh, the, the rise of China, okay, in the, and, and, and especially remembering that uh, the, the rise of Chinese capitalism is the, in the context of a global recession. Yeah. So China is the, I would call, I think this, is, I, I actually learned, picked this up from New Left Review, mm. is that the Chinese economy is the uh, fig leaf of global capitalism, mm. okay? And then so the way uh, China tries to exert its authoritarian, okay, uh, you know, uh, uh, control over other places, and Hong Kong is one of them, okay, is, is quite different. It's different from the European model. I wonder if it's not 
rather similar to the US model because it's about installing your designates mm -hmm. in power who may or may not be local. It's not about actually claiming territory in a sovereign military way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is about some kinds of somewhat indirect power where you yes. choose subaltern subjects who rule for you, but not in the British way in India because this is comprehensive, right? Right, right. And ongoing clientelism and corporate domination and eventually military domination, but not in a sovereign sense of control. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, I think of this kind of, of independence, yeah, yeah, independent so power is. I think it's much more like the United States. If you cut out the part of the United States that was a colonial power, uh -huh. Philippines, sure, Cuba, sure. So, uh, Puerto Rico, these sorts of instances, and you think more of the United States in the way it rules, well, the, the Arab world set up in terms of its uh, states I would on agree a clientelist yes. US basis. And uh -huh. it seems to me that if the Chinese have a model, they're following something like that, uh -huh. quite different from the European Pro model. Probably s slightly uh, more, uh, you know, deceptive than the US way. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. US still have military bases. Yeah. And also, they, they use that, in some cases, they use local view, sometimes don't, they don't use US yeah. model. But in this case, I think uh, the Chinese, they, they always say, it's Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong. Yeah. Okay, even though that Hong Kong person has very little popular support. Okay, yeah. but uh, that, I think it's similar, but uh, which also I think uh, 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 is another point I want to make is China is not too different. Okay, mm -hmm. it's, or people are using, you know, uh, like words like Chimerica, you know, China mm -hmm. and America or the, 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 mm. the G2 okay, structure. I think there are definitely uh, 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 consistent patterns, you know, between the the, the Chinese model now and the U.S. An incredibly rapid modernization, more rapid in China's case. But if you think about the great examples of very quick modernity, you've got the United States, Soviet Union, and China. And Soviet Union and China both incredibly rapid. China more comprehensive, and they involve, you know. Uh, in many cases, enslavement, uh, near genocide, uh, destruction of the environment, and becoming dynamic hearts of economic development for the entire world. Mm -hmm. In the case of the USSR, for a third of the world. Right, right. The United States, most of the world. China, now most of the mm -hmm. world. Right? And it's fascinating to think about the terrible costs that this incurs in human and environmental terms, really challenging. And part of the incredible rapidity of the Chinese example is also picking up on the environmental costs. Absolutely. As far as I can tell, not caring so much about the human costs, at least at a state level. Right? Where, although there are all kinds of democratic urges amongst NGOs and working people <laughs> in another direction. Well, Jack, we're about halfway through. I wondered if we could turn to you a bit now. I wanted to ask you a personal question first and then talk more about your scholarly work and your activism. Is that sure, okay? Sure, sure. So the personal question is, you're from the mainland. I wonder if you'd be prepared to say a little bit about your experience of living here. Do you experience othering as a consequence of your accent in Cantonese or people knowing where you're from or whatever? Because you, most people here that I know in Hong Kong pick mainlanders, even my friends, and talk about as in an othering way, I've noticed. And they, they do it from clothing, in the same way the West Germans used to do it about the East Germans. 
where in the first four or five years after unification, because people looked grey and drab and they had appalling clothing, people would put, point at them on mass transit and say, oh yeah, they're from East Germany. So what's it like for you? Do you experience that? Has that happened to you? And you dress beautifully, so you fit in with all the no, stylish... No, nothing, nothing compared to my friend uh, Anthony, Anthony or John. Or John Ernie. <laughs> but, but you're in, you know, you're... You're one of the style kings of. No, no, no. I'm not. I, I, I never, never I never thought uh, I would be, <laughs> you know, examining that. And, uh, <laughs> but you know uh, what I'm asking about. Sure, do sure. Do you have that? Do you have that in your life? Uh, yes, mm. more in the past than now. Uh huh. So this is, uh, uh, of, of course, when I came to Hong Kong in 1997, I happened to be the first uh, mainland student who received, you know, a pass. Okay, they don't call it a passport because. Mainland and Hong Kong are supposed to be the same country, but then you need a special pass. Okay, it almost looked just like a passport. Okay, mm. so I was the first student to to get a student visa to come come to Hong Kong. All right, and uh, uh, um, when I came, I did not speak uh, spoke a single word of Cantonese. Okay, and uh, and in ninety seven, right after the handover. The great majority, I would say 80-90%, even in a university like this, they do not understand uh, Mandarin. Right. So I had major uh, you know, uh, communication problems. I think my dress was definitely the, the worst, you know, uh, <laughs> stylish, you know, I, I, I look probably more, uh, slightly more stylish now thanks to my wife, okay, <laughs> who, has, uh, who picked all these things for me, okay? Really? Now, she, this is the, my next question off the record is going to be about shopping, but I'm now I need to ask her, not you. Anyway, so she's helped you. Yeah, she helped me a lot. She's depoliterianized you, know, you. And, uh, and I, uh, I still, when I do field work, you know, one of my uh, tricks, I, I do most of my uh, uh, field work, okay, in working class communities in mainland China. So when I go there, the first thing I do, I will do some shopping myself. I buy some clothes, they're very cheap, okay, and then I merge in, you know, uh, you know uh, very easily, okay. When mm. Once I hold a small shopping bag, you know, with a pair of slippers, okay, I talk to the, you know, workers and their family much more easily than if I drive just now. So this is my uh, golf, golf mania method. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but going back to your question, you know, uh, uh, the thing I remember most vividly was I had a good friend who, um, uh, who, who uh, just got his first month's salary. He's from mainland, from Beijing, okay, like myself. And we went shopping. He wants to uh, buy uh, sh shavers, you, when you, you know, uh, clean your face. Electric razor? Razor, razor electric razor, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, he has money, but then because he does not speak Cantonese, his English was very poor, he tried to communicate with Mandarin, Okay, this was in '98. Okay, mm -hmm. and the shop owners basically ignored him. Mm. He couldn't buy things, even if he had money, and he was infuriated. And I think we we failed to to wow. buy. Uh, yeah, so this was how 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 much of the othering, you know, that was. And compared to this, this would be if I tell this to uh, to my students in Hong Kong, mainland students, they think they are going through some kind of, uh, you know, identity politics. There, there's nothing, okay, compared to the kind of animosity and hostility, I would say, that hung right after ha handover, okay, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, mainlanders in Hong Kong had to go through. But over the years, you know, when I came back to Hong Kong in 2004, end of 2004. From Los Angeles. From Los Angeles, yes. And uh, uh, 
I, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, sometimes if I went shopping, okay, and uh, I got better treat, better service than, okay, Hong Kong friends, okay, and uh, so uh, I would say, yes, there are definitely uh, still othering going on, okay, especially with this uh, recent uh, surge of local independence and their strategy, you know, uh, I, I, I used to, uh, you know, unlike, okay, uh, Passion Times, the group I just mentioned. But recently I forced myself to, to like them on Facebook again so that I can see their communication strategy. It's, a pre it's very much about picking up all the stereotypical ways to show how mainlanders are uneducated. So there, were, there was a political project, okay, try to, okay, uh, uh, make this othering even more nasty, okay. But uh, from what I can uh, tell uh, by observing, you know, uh, uh, you know, things in Hong Kong, uh, but it's not just in Hong Kong, you know, the mainland media, especially the more marketized, the, com the uh, market-driven journalism in, mm -hmm. in mainland, not, not only in publication, in pu publishing, but in new media, you know, the internet, you know, they were, you know, also adding a lot of fuel to this yeah. identity politics, okay. But then, uh, just as everyday life, because you are talking about, you want to talk about shopping or my, uh, accents. Okay, I, I have to thank my wife again for helping me to improve my Cantonese and uh, or everyday you know a conversation with even my Hong Kong students. You know, uh, yesterday I had a class okay about uh, media and social development in mainland China. Mm. When I started that class three years ago, it was one third Hong Kong students and their okay uh, Mandarin. I taught that class in Mandarin. Okay, the yeah. official language in mainland China. And uh, the Hong Kong students three years ago, their Mandarin was way behind. Okay, the, the uh, mainland students, but now I had two thirds of the class. There are Hong Kong local students, and their uh, Mandarin level is only slightly okay behind the mainlanders. So, so they're they're catching up. Okay, and uh, so uh, so by that I think I have not so scientific data. Okay, to to say the the. Uh, the othering uh, is, uh, uh, you know, it it it, per it persists in uh, in small areas, okay, of the of the of the cyberspace. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about real life, okay, person to person interaction in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. in the classroom or in the shopping malls, it has been much better, okay, better. than uh, let's say 10, uh, 15 years ago. We've got about twenty minutes left. Uh, I know we're going to do a bit more recording after that, but for this one, because I want to close it off just talking about you. Uh, I wondered if you could tell us a bit about your research, where people can find it. You're a much published person, but your research isn't only done with a scholarly aim in mind, it's also done with an action aim in mind. You're very involved, you're an activist scholar, so perhaps you could tell us about where to read it, but you could also tell us about the activist scholar perspective. For for uh, uh, English, uh, you know, readers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my best known book was probably the uh, 2009 MIT Press book called Working Class Network Society. Okay, and I think this has to do with my activism part did not came from training. I hope I get, you know, training in my in my schooling about uh, action research, but uh, because I do so much of my work, uh, 95 percent of my you know, uh, research was in the working class, okay, uh, neighborhoods, yeah. either service sector. I spent about five years working on the service sector, 
in the workers in southern China, and another now I would say eight years uh, on the factory zones. Mm. You know, and I th uh, I think it's my personal uh, uh, when I was writing that book, the working class network society book, I would woke up you know I, I woke up in the middle of the night more than once thinking about how can how can I do something more than just taking data okay from these workers. And the most uh, touching part from my, uh, and also most inspiring part mm -hmm. that had shaped my, uh, uh, you know, scholarship was when I visit the work injury uh, hospitals. So I, I felt I had, uh, I almost had nightmare, you know. I, if I just take data from people's pains, okay, mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, uh, uh, you, you encounter similar when we work with, you know, uh, vulnerable groups, okay. Mm -hmm. How can I give something back? Okay, so uh, two years ago, I had the book uh, uh, translated, but also rewritten into Chinese, and uh, I dedicated the Chinese version of Working Class Network Society uh, to injured workers. Okay, to uh, you know, uh, w which is only one of the many. Okay, uh, b b you know, uh, victims of uh, uh, industrialization in China for the world. And so I think that uh, it's from there, okay, and uh, also had, uh, uh, the, the year after uh, I published that book, okay, with MIT Press, I got my tenure. So I wanted to start to, to, to play, okay, again, I, I did not have um, systematic training in multimedia production, okay, when I was in undergrad or, or grad school, okay, I was always trained, uh, uh, you know, uh, theoretical or statistical, you know, uh, person. So I, I thought I was just going to play. I bought, including this uh, 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 community radio, you know, production facility. Mm. I got myself a digital video camera, and, and I started to make a film. Actually, I did a film about Foxconn Survivor, and uh, uh, you know the people who jumped and the kind of labor uh, product. And this is the Foxconn uh, Taiwanese-owned company that. Is based in many parts of the world, actually, yes. but most notoriously in China. Right. Um, and interestingly enough, in the Anglo world, quite conservative newspapers reported very fully mm -hmm. the horrors that went on. Is that film available online? Yes, uh, actually, I think that um, that film probably had me, you know, uh, uh, become made me more famous in the activist in the world uh -huh. than most of my academic writings. Okay, and uh, it's called uh, Deconstructing uh, Foxconn, uh, and uh, I think, uh, just search it, the best version should be on, uh, on, uh, on Vimeo. On Vimeo, Deconstructing yes. Foxconn. Exactly. And this is one of the most powerful and important companies in the world, and it's now, you know, it's setting up manufacturing in the U.S. now. Yes, uh, it, it actually produced, uh, uh, you know, the, the Google Glass, you know, the, the, down there. It? Yes, in California. In California. Yeah, okay. and, and also uh, in, in Mexico, it has, uh, is, uh, the, oh, the plant is huge, yeah. And there are transterritorial worker solidarity connections yes. dealing with Foxconn, yes. aren't there? Yes, uh, uh, I was invited, uh, too bad my, my dad was in hospital, you know, uh, last year. I was invited to go to Italy. To join this, uh, you know, European Asian, you know, network of mm -hmm. activists and uh, scholars, you know, analyzing Foxconn because Foxconn uh, produce about half the world's electronics mm -hmm. every year. Mm -hmm. So it's all the other electronics manufacturer put together. It's, a, it's the size of Foxconn, and Foxconn make all the 
almost it used to make all the Apple products, okay? But now uh, Apple is diversifying, and Foxconn is also making, you know, you know HP, you know, computers, or uh, you know, uh, even Nokia, okay, and Sony, you know, uh, you know, uh, mobile mobile phones, and uh, so the. Uh, so anyway, so, so that uh, um, little uh, film, uh, you know, I, th I think I think it's twenty minutes long. Okay, mm. it's a short film has been screened in, uh, I think almost ten, you know, labor film festivals, mm. and including some of the very well known like the uh, the uh, Guangzhou uh, Biennial, which is the largest arts, you know, and uh, and design, you know, uh, biennial, uh, mm. you know, exhibition in Asia, mm. and. Uh, um, so uh, yes, there, there are. So because of that uh, film, I've been approached uh, by some of the most famous okay, uh, investigative journalism, uh, you know, programs you know around the world to to make film about this uh, uh, you know huge company. Yeah, and from that, what I have been learning, you know, and I've been writing about is I'm trying to you know, it's not just myself. Okay, uh, there's a network. Uh, there are very few, uh, uh, you know, faculty members from journalism, communication, or cultural studies. Okay, in, in this group, I'm the only one who was from from this. We have a network of about a dozen, you know, faculty members. Most of them were from sociology, you know, in China, mainland, in Taiwan, and in Hong Kong. Okay, sociology, uh, even some economics. Okay, uh, professors. And uh, uh, of course, a couple of law, uh, you know, uh, political scientists, yeah. and also um, uh, we have one architect, okay, uh, mm. who was a, a leader of the uh, urban uh, against urban planning, okay, in Taiwan. He was a former student of uh, Manuel Castells, as well, you know, and mm. uh, um, so um, oh, we have we also have historians in the team. So 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 basically, I I started this what I would call uh, 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 multimedia uh, action uh, research. Yes. Okay. Is uh, uh, is part of the team? Is because the, the whole team needs someone. Okay. And I I, I I was assumed to be the one who have the <laughs> capacity, but I actually learned all these things on the way thanks to my uh, uh, students and. Um, uh, so now we are trying to develop this into a more full-fledged, okay, and we, we, we were indeed, I think many of the sociologists on this team, they were so active, it's because they were heavily influenced by Michael Broway's, you know, uh, uh, public, public uh, sociology. sociology. Michael Burroway, a former professor, a professor at Berkeley in California, but also former president of the American Sociological Association. Right, right. Used to have his... Grad students go off and work in factories. Yes, a very Maoist <laughs> notion of he worked in factory himself. Yeah. Worked in factories himself, and uh, folks may have heard the podcast with Randy Martin a few years ago. Randy, who unfortunately just passed away, but Randy speaks very evocatively of working with Burrell. So <laughs> Burrell is an influence on these folks in terms of the public sociology right, right. method, and and also on, on, on myself too. Okay, mm. so mm -hmm. so this is. Uh, uh, another pro, uh, you know, uh, th another thing is only starting sporadically and uh, mm -hmm. serendipitously because of the Foxconn tragedy, mm -hmm. the, the what we call, uh, you know, the Foxconn suicide uh, express. Okay, and then so so we started this uh, Taiwan Hong Kong mainland, you know, network mm -hmm. of uh, activists 
okay, uh, uh, researchers. And uh, uh, so, we, uh, so uh, we, we are trying to develop something, you know, to emulate uh, what Borrowway was trying to do yes. to sociology, but we wanted to do to media and communication and cultural studies in, in, in general. So that uh, I think there's a niche not only for us to use multimedia to record and present our research, but even more important to, for it to have great uh, social uh, and political impact on our students, on uh, the society and the large, and even more importantly on the workers themselves. Mm -hmm. And Foxconn periodically issues announcements about how things are better in terms of toilet breaks, treatment of pregnant workers, occupational health and safety, hours, overtime, and payment. And basically says, will you please fucking shut up? <laughs> right? It's a very typical uh, corporate PR, okay? Yeah. And Foxcom has been hiring, okay, some of the best trained PR practitioners, you know, in China, you know, in other parts of the world, okay, because it has money. But because it's in such a deep hole of PR scandals, yeah. okay, and uh, 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 however, I'm, actually this is the topic of my next book, which I'm, I'm writing now, uh -huh. and uh, it's called uh, Goodbye, I Slave. Okay. Goodbye, I Slave. Yes, mm -hmm. I Slave is actually a slogan, you know, uh, invented by Greenpeace uh, Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, then it gathered uh, lots of momentum, and uh, uh, in this book, one uh, of the chapters is going to be devoted to Foxconn's uh, PR, the, the, the spin doctors of Foxconn, and uh, how uh, it used to be less successful, but uh, uh, precisely because the, uh, the, the, the labor beat or the worker beat okay, in uh, mass media organizations in China were uh, you know, they, they used to be more organized, the, the journalists, okay, used to have more solidarity with each other and with the workers. However, uh, you know, uh, since 2010, because of, uh, you know, the, uh, the kind of uh, journalism reform, okay, uh, which is very much about uh, privatization and uh, commercialization, most of the uh, uh, news organizations in China, okay, uh, uh, you know, uh, stopped, okay, uh, their, um, their labor beats, okay, so these uh, journalists become more and more atomized, yeah. and then they, are, they, were, they also started, so, so it's easier for them, okay, to just use the PR, okay, uh, the, the, the press get. release, and, and then they don't, they don't do the, the most, the, for example, last year there was a scandal, I think it was pretty big in the UK as well, mm -hmm. okay, it's around the time when iPhone 6 came out, mm. and uh, uh, there was a, a scandal about uh, Foxconn's uh, workers getting occupational disease, uh, uh, likely caused by benzene. This is the banned chemical in China, as in most of the world, and uh, uh, people were getting uh, leukemia, the blood, ca blood cancer, and then the uh, Foxconn just issued a press re release saying, you know. Uh, we have, uh, we are giving workers excellent support, and uh, uh, um, uh, we um, uh, and and then there's no. It's, of course, occupational disease is always difficult to establish yes. the the causal connections. Okay, but then uh, uh, what the information I got so that, that that got published all over China. Okay, but the information I got is that 
the Foxconn gave money to the workers' union, which basically, you know, the work, Foxconn workers' union is basically just from the left hand to the right hand side. It's still in the, the workers received zero, okay, uh, 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 you know, uh, compensation. And it's just, they, they just, so, so the, the journal, the reporters were not even doing the, the most basic, basic. You know, you know, fact check it, to, to make a phone call to the workers. Anything. Yeah. In, in English, at least, there is a very good website application, journalism, right? The, this expression, journalism, people may have heard of, describes this tendency of people simply using press releases to write stories. Journalism is a really good application that'll track down the source of a newspaper article that's online, say, that you read, and disclose to you exactly how much has come from these sorts of sources. It's a problem, I think, in many places. And it's also a problem that the labor beat is being eviscerated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It barely exists. So, so you see this uh, a similar trend in the, in the UK uh, oh. over the last, how, how, how many, like a decade or, or it's two? It's a decade. I mean, I think the term journalism was coined by Nick Davies, the mm -hmm, guy mm -hmm. who exposed much of the Murdoch organization's calumnies right, right. in Britain in a book he wrote about eight or nine years ago. Uh -huh, I mean, uh -huh. it's gone on forever. When I worked in radio, um, <laughs> we certainly used press releases Sure, sure, but, I mean, but not exclusively. But not exclusively. But now I, I think what you have been talking about over the last decade or so in the UK is something we are being we've been you know uh, observing in in mainland China in the past four years. Right. Okay. 2010 was a high point when all these uh, you know more serious you know labor beat will come together. But in the last uh, three four years, it's really cut away. And meanwhile, Foxconn. Am I right in thinking it has a million employees? Some number like oh, that. Oh, more than that. More than that. Yes. When the uh, when the uh, uh, the, um, the the suicide express, I think the phrase actually was coined by the Daily Mail. Some people call it the Daily Mail, okay. <laughs> which is something I still want to talk about. You know uh, more. It's very. Uh, I want to understand this. Uh, you know, uh, in a more serious way. But but that's my question to you in in a few minutes. Mm. Uh, um, but then the uh, uh, you know. Around uh, 2010, yeah. you know, there were the, there were more serious, okay, and and actually there was at least one incident that uh, I know uh, the uh, you know the um, Foxconn PR release was rejected by even Reuters, okay, uh, not to use you know uh, their, their uh, uh, and and the funny thing is they were they were some of the journalists were using the propaganda you know uh, uh, you know. Uh, 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 division of the Communist Party, not to report on Foxconn because there were too much uh, press, you know, uh, you know, attention, and also the uh, it was suspected that the, there was a causal link between this, you know, uh, suicide express, you know, reporting, and the actual suicides in mm -hmm. the dormitories. Okay, so they they try to cut the flow of information, and and then the but then the funny thing was that when you know I was involved in when we had our press release about you know uh, whether that is our our the the the, um, the 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 name of our research report. We spent the whole summer working with uh, almost a hundred you know students from mainland you know Taiwan and Hong Kong. Some of them went, you know, embedded into the factories using microbreweries, you know, methodology. And our report and press release was called 
uh, suicide or murder. Okay, and and when in in that you know uh, when we when we had that press release in Beijing, the uh, central the, the uh, central propaganda division of uh, uh, Communist Party China you know already sent out a censorship. Okay, so sometimes press releases don't get picked up and utilized. Yes, but then but then the uh, there are at least a handful. Okay, mm -hmm. newspapers. You know, reported on our you know uh, uh, you know uh, press release, despite you know the censorship, uh, uh, you know because you know there there are enough solidarity and yeah. people saying yes, we are going to get penalized because of, because we report on this uh, suicide or murder mm -hmm. okay press release. But I'm willing to. I just write a, a letter or get I get a little fine. And, and but this is too important. But when the Foxconn okay had a their counter action had their PR release against our, you know, suicide or mm. murder report. The 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 uh, journalists were saying no. There's a you know propaganda division order not to say anything about Falcon. So we are ignoring your PR. <laughs> okay. So that's that's one thing I'm going to write about in my in that's my book. That's beautiful. Yes. So um, just to finish up, in terms of finding your stuff, there's a new book that will be coming out, I guess, in a year or so on Foxconn. From the University of Illinois Press. University of Illinois Press. Yes. There is the MIT book 2009, mm -hmm. but there are other things too. And also I mean, Deconstructing Foxconn for the, yeah, as the, the Deconstructing Foxconn yeah, short film. Vimeo documentary. But there are other publications too. I mean, you've been, as I recall, centrally involved in founding the Chinese Journal of Communication. Yes? Uh, yes, I was one of the founders. Yeah. One of the founders, and that's in English. Yes. Uh, people can, can read that. And you've also published with your old advisor, Manuel Castells. Right? Yes. Uh, Manuel has been very uh, supportive uh, to my work. My first book was a co-authored book with him yeah. back in 2006 called Mobile Communication and Society, which basically came from my uh, postdoc, you know, under his uh, supervision, you know, and uh, uh, we we keep uh, you know uh, exchanging notes about uh, especially you know in uh, this part of the world you know net, uh, net, uh, the network society. I'm glad you mentioned Chinese Journal of Communication because for uh, for that journal when it, when we started you know Manuel was the first person who accepted the journal's uh, you know interview. You know, talking about uh, network society in China and uh, uh, the worldwide implications. Mm -hmm. yeah. And. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and uh, 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 in, in, in addition to you know uh, the uh, uh, things you know uh, I've been doing in the past, I'm thinking about doing more uh, things on environmental. Okay, mm -hmm. which because it's, it's there are in even in the Foxconn case we see a convergence which was quite rare in the Chinese context. I don't know so much about in other contexts, but very rare for we to see. Uh, Labor, you know, movement to converge with environmental movement, which is, you know, uh, in in Foxconn we saw this. Okay, uh, still uh, these days, for example, feminism uh, in China sell very almost never, you know, cross the line with, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, farmers issues. Okay, or um, I'm just making so that this has been relatively uh, uh, rare. But then uh, I think when we I uh, the the phrase I I usually use is uh, I'd like I, I prefer to use is called ex existential issues or existential needs mm. for solidarity building, okay? Because Foxconn tragedy was so grave, so the environmental you know groups they care about you know uh, occupational diseases, 
okay, and the environmental impact. They started work with uh, labor, you know, issues, and both sides has different kind of, you know, uh, professional capacity and different type of, of uh, social capital. And I think, you know, uh, it's uh, also like uh, the umbrella movement when people are realizing fundamentally, you know, the environment, their livelihoods, and also, uh, you know, the, uh, the, their own identity, okay, are, are at, at the stake of a life and death struggle. And then this, uh, uh, they can use, okay, new media technologies to uh, connect with each other. And that these different facets of life and existence are inextricably interlinked. Well, Jack Chu, I want to thank you. You're, as all listeners here will have learned if they weren't already familiar with your work, you're one of the most inspiring intellectuals we have in media studies. There are only about half a dozen people who can read and write in media studies, so it's not that hard, but you are one of them, in all seriousness. Thank you. I'm very honored. I'm flattered. Yeah. I, don't, I don't believe you, but I'm very humbled. No, by you. Your work is an inspiration. It's been an inspiration to me uh, and many others, and that's at the professional academic level. But, of course, you've also managed to shatter the boundaries, which are have been very strong between progressive activism and very solid scholarship. And you're rebuilding scholarship to include activism, I think in a really notable way. So I want to thank you very much and I want to ask if you'll come back into the pod when the new book with the University of Illinois Press comes out and then together we can see how you manage to bring down the barrier that is Foxconn. Thank you very much, Toby. Let me stop this.